The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tung. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation and I'm your host, Peter Tung. Thank you for joining us today. The intention in these episodes is to give you insights into how the planet is shifting in frequency and vibration to a new level of awareness and how you can be part of this grand awakening. And we have a fantastic month of May lined up for you. Last week, John Major Jenkins talked about the grand alignment of uh, December 21st, 2012 and the Maya uh, cultural belief around what that actually is. Next week, Danian Brinkley will be joining us again talking about his awareness having had uh, a number of near-death experiences and uh, bringing information back from other realms. At the end of the month, May 26, Freddie Silver will be joining us and talking about the crop circles and the different uh, structures of the stone circles and Gothic cathedrals that all come to play a very important role in our connections to those other realms also. And connected to all of that today, I have with me Bruce Rawls, who is an expert in sacred geometry, but not only the geometry, but seeing how that all fits together uh, in our awakening world today. So, Bruce, welcome to the show. Thank you, Peter. Thanks for having me on. This is a real treat. Perhaps we could begin by uh, you talking a little bit about your work with sacred geometry. That's probably what you're best known for. Sure. How did that all all start for you? And, And tell us the development behind it. Well, I'm not sure if I'd, to just back up a second, I'm not sure if I'd classify myself as an expert, but I do have a lot of fun with it. Um, <laughs> and uh, the, the website uh, that people can follow along, we're going to kind of look at some symbols and geometric metaphors, uh, is uh, geometrycode.com. Uh, I've actually got a couple other websites. One is just my personal blog, brucerawls.com, and then there's ACIM blog, which is dedicated to A Course in Miracles, which we can get into a little later. But the primary one, if people want to just look at that, and, and then we'll talk about the sacred geometry metaphors for us uh, initially, and that would have, have some uh, some imagery in the background graphic that actually applies to that. But to, anyway, to answer your question, um, actually in high school, my mother has been my spiritual mentor from day one, or one of many, but certainly uh, <laughs> literally from birth, uh, gave me two books, one of which was uh, Secrets of the Great Pyramid by Peter Tompkins. And the other was This Living Earth by David Cavagnaro, uh, which is a coffee table book uh, with, uh, you might say, with uh, lots of beautiful pictures from nature. And, and in that one, there was uh, uh, descriptions of the chambered nautilus shell and fiddle ferns and, and uh, all these things that had spirals in nature and, uh, and you know, the Fibonacci series and, and that sort of thing was described, which is this numerical sequence that probably many of your listeners are familiar with. 
that basically connects and interconnects the the natural world in a lot of different ways. And uh, so there's, there's, there was one metaphor that, that uh, fit from a, from a geometric standpoint that there's something going on behind the scenes geometrically with our the, the workings of our material universe. And uh, then the, the, the Secrets of the Great Pyramid by Peter Tompkins, that one uh, intrigued me endlessly. And, and the, the idea that the, the structure at the Giza complex that, that – um, I think was erroneously uh, attributed to Kiosk in the same way that we wouldn't call the, the White House the Bush House in a few centuries, but <laughs> or, or, or the whatever, Obama House or whatever. Anyway, uh, I, I think uh, the Great Pyramid had um, that encoding in it. It was, was the fact that it had that encoding of, of this golden proportion or golden ratio in it was intriguing to me. And here was something that was enshrined in stone uh, some multiple millennia ago, however many back. We don't really know, but at least four or five. And uh, when we were in, at the Giza complex in '92, my wife and I and several friends, uh, Greg Braden was our, our tour guide, if you will, and uh, uh, we got to go inside the Great Pyramid and, and uh, explore the inner passageways and so forth. And, and that was a result of you know years of being fascinated with the fact that there's all these geometries encoded in this structure that uh, just seemed a little bit more than coincidental. Uh, this, this golden ratio, or what's known as a five proportion, is about 1.618. It uh, relates to the, the, the proportion. If you, for example, take the, you, the average distance between your, your navel to the ground and navel to the top of your head over you know, many, many people, it comes out to about that ratio. If you take the proportions of a five-pointed star, and, and that pretty much applies to um, the flower of any edible fruit is a five-pointed blossom, and that uh, geometry has within it this pentagonal or pent- pentagrammatic geometry that encodes this golden proportion and it empowers of that number. So anyway, this, this kind of got me thinking, well, okay, there's something a little deeper and more mystical to proportion and, and form. And so I wanted to know all about that, and that led me into the study of which has now become known as sacred geometry, and I put a little book together about that about 12, 15 years ago, and, and it's been published in German, which is kind of fun. I get a little check from a German publisher every so often. But it's, it's the, the, the deeper meaning that for me is that there's something beyond the form, that's the content behind all that. And, and the content for me can be summed up in terms of interconnectedness, kindness, um, relatedness, all those kinds of uh, ideas that uh, tell us that there's something more that, that uh, we can go beyond this, the superficial or surface uh, analysis of things. So one of the things you wanted to talk about early on, I know, today was, was the two thought systems, the two world views, and, and why we need to include that at the beginning of our conversation today. Exactly, exactly. Because the, the, the interconnected paradigm is really the holistic or transpersonal paradigm. And I think that's what, what we're all evolving toward or, or waking up to, maybe a better way of, of saying it. Uh, it's almost like we've been asleep and, and we're all helping each other wake up from uh, in some cases, a nightmare, but uh, you know, at least temporarily, the idea is to have a happy dream while before we wake up to something that is uh, far more wonderful than we can possibly imagine. And, uh, and I think that's really the, the meaning of the golden age, if, if we wanted to put it in a chronological sequence. But I, I think what we really are goes beyond any kind of sense of time or space. And that, that's, I think, a, a crucial part of the worldview that uh, you know, other, other uh, mentors like Eckhart Tolle and Byron Katie and people like that are, are so, so eloquent in sharing the fact that it's really the only the now moment is the only thing we have. So, 
So when we wake up to that that paradigm or that worldview or that thought system that says inclusiveness or inclusion or wholeness is uh, is is critical to really understanding and relating to why we're here. Uh, that makes a huge difference, and and the the default paradigm, of course, is the the victim victimization one, where we we think the world is doing stuff to us, and <laughs> and that paradigm is is the one that inevitably gets us in trouble. You know, we've tried it countless times, and how many lifetimes we've you've stumbled around in that kind of you know dream state of thinking that well, you know, somehow the world is out to get us, or you know, some variation of that theme, and and. Uh, Inevitably, it stems from this belief in separation, and I think that's what kind of ties back into the notion of sacred geometry of, of interconnectedness. That you know, this golden proportion. I mean, it sounds like you know, going from the metaphysical to the to the numerical is kind of a leap. But if you think about um, this golden ratio, which is about one point six one eight, you can take it out to how many decimal points you want. Um, the actual exact ratio is one plus the square root of five over two for the the math. Uh, aficionados in the, in the audience, uh, that number turns out to be the only number which when you add one to itself or essentially integrate it with num- numerically with unity becomes itself raised to another power or you know taken to another dimension, if you will. So I think that's kind of an interesting metaphor, and, and the, the equation for that is 1 plus phi is equal to phi squared. So the way my mathematical and mystical mind works, it's like, okay, well, isn't that a cool metaphor? And and what you find is in so many patterns in nature, the fractals and and uh, and even fractal geometries, you know, everywhere you look now in, in computer-generated imagery for for mountains and rivers and and things that branch and and uh, you just look at a tree or a flower and anything anything in nature, um, you know, the the network of neurons in our on our in our bodies and and uh, the branching and the the little tubules in our, our lungs. I mean, that's probably not the right biological term, but you know what I mean. <laughs> and all that stuff, you know, it's just the, the examples just go on and on of how it's all about interconnectedness. And, and when we relate from that inclusive perspective, or as the Dalai Lama said, you know, from one of kindness, um, then it seems like it shifts everything. It, it, we see things through different eyes, metaphorically, and that we kind of get the deeper meaning of the uh, the metaphors, and I think geometry is an interesting metaphor that uh, uh, we can use as reminders because it's so, they're so ubiquitous. Everywhere we look, we see geometry in nature or man-made things, and, and, and in either case, um, seen with that thought system or that worldview of inclusion, we can uh, reach a totally different interpretation. And if we, you know, kind of are willing to release our white knuckles grip on our own little personal interpretation that says me, 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 uh, and realize that the, the little me is uh, what's keeping us really uh, in a state of lack and fear and, and, and discouragement and all that sort of thing. And the, the, the real fun begins when we start looking at an inclusive thought system that uh, takes us beyond that uh, whole limited paradigm. Yeah, so anyway, that's why that's why the, the thought system is is so you know pivotally important. And I know, uh, a, a course in miracles is uh, your favorite book. Uh, Indeed, because Indeed. it gives you this this shift in pers- uh, perspective. Yeah, and, and uh, several years ago, I was starting to write the this, this sequel to the first book, um, and I'm calling it The Geometry Code. It's, it's underway, and, and uh, uh, I had uh, come across um, many years ago, probably oh, 30 or so, this book that's uh, about a century old called The Cabalion, and we can talk about that in a moment, that, that uh, uh, I was starting to write sort of a modern, um, updated version of the, how we can apply the ideas in this, this mystical book on hermetic philosophy, and I, I kept 
um, thinking there's a missing element here because I, I, the, the shapes are interesting and these laws and so forth are interesting. But again, there's that thought system. And, and that's where um, about three years ago, not quite, um, I was house-sitting for a friend here locally uh, while she was away in Hawaii for a week and a half. And on her coffee table was this book sitting there. And I'd just seen this movie called Living Luminaries at the local art theater and uh, here in Ashland, Oregon. And uh, there was uh, several people I was familiar with, Marion Williamson and Eckhart Tolle and uh, Don Miguel Ruiz, who I've actually had the privilege of interviewing on, on a radio show I did years ago, um, and people I admired. And, and then there was this guy named Gary Renard. And I was like, oh, well, okay, that's interesting. And I like what he said. It was pretty pretty intriguing. And then, and then when I got back to the the, uh, the place I was house-sitting, here on this, this table was this book called Disappearance of the Universe. And I picked it up, and my plan for this, this 10 days was actually I was going to work on the second book. And while that kind of got <laughs> uh, taken over by, by reading this book, and uh, I just couldn't put it down, I realized that, that what it did is it explained this Course in Miracles book that I had actually studied and read several times uh, back in the mid-'80s when I first picked it up and was in several study groups when I lived in Northern California. And... Um, I, there was something that I quite I didn't quite get, and and that was the in Gary's uh, disappearance of the universe first book. There was a, a bit of that uh, just all through it basically was was saying how the the whole premise is about forgiveness and forgiving ourselves the dream that we think we're in. Bruce, we're, we're actually coming up to our first break in the show, so let's return to discuss this afterwards. This is Peter Good Tung time. for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. Extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. How do we walk our true spiritual path at a time when the Western world is fixated on material gain? More people are now recognizing the emptiness which comes with this limited approach to life. There is another way. Four years ago, Peter Tung left his position as a high school principal with 30 years experience in the education system and turned to his true calling of a metaphysical life. He now uses his experience and wisdom to provide solutions to personal and organizational challenges. Peter offers corporate workshops and seminars, public meditations, radio interviews, healing sessions, and community visits to bring awareness of the new paradigm, the awakening to conscious co-creation. Visit petertongue.com today to register for events and to purchase his transformative visualization meditation CDs. You can also download the meditation CDs as MP3s if you wish for listening on your computer or on the go. These are available now at petertongue.com. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. What's it like? What's it like? It's lonely. It's really lonely. I miss my brother. I miss my brother. I'm surrounded by other people, but it's not the same. I've got other people around me, but it's not the same. 
it's pretty scary, but I don't let it rattle pretty me. Pretty scary, Ryan, but I don't let it rattle me. You always have to watch your back. There's no one to watch my back. I spend my whole day worried who's out to I'm get me. I'm always wondering who's out to get me. But I can take care of myself. But I can take care of myself. No matter what, I'll keep my head up. No matter what, I'll keep my head up. It's not like I have a choice. It's not like I have a choice. This'll all be over in five years, three months, and 17 days. This'll all be over in five years, three months, and 17 days. Go to jail for a gun crime and your family serves a sentence with you. Something to think about before committing a gun crime. Gun crimes hit home. This message brought to you by Project Safe Neighborhoods and the Ad Council. The new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. Today I have with me Bruce Rawls. And, and Bruce, just before the break, you were talking about the breakthrough that you had from Gary Renard's work over the Course in Miracles. Just just continue with that. Certainly, yeah. I, that, that was this book that was a pivotal uh, moment for me in, in discovering that, that my, my worldview was, um, um, well, shall we say, uh, uh, doing the, the blaming the creator <laughs> kind of thing that I think we've all done from time to time, Re- realizing that, that if, if as the, the Course points out in Gary's books, presented in such a wonderful, accessible way, um, the idea that, that if the universe is something we made up in terms of duality, and the only thing that, that, that uh, truly exists beyond space and time is pure oneness or pure non-duality, then uh, we can afford to um, give ourselves a little slack and ease up on, on uh, you know, not only what, what uh, other people seem to be doing, but we, what we seem to be doing uh, in, in the, there are little adventures in space-time and uh, you know, forgive ourselves. And I think that's why the, the, the concept of forgiveness that jumped out from, from Gary's writing and, and his, his mentors uh, just really hit hit home for me, and uh, I kind of launched myself back into a, a, an avid study of Course in Miracles, and and with this wonderful little community of, of students here in Southern Oregon, and I, I like to have a bunch of friends coming over this evening uh, you know, for a study group, and um, there's a half dozen in this area. So it, what what, it, what really meant it a lot to me was this idea that that there really is a um, a way to forgive what appears to be happening, and look at each moment of our life through that interpretation uh, that, that goes beyond our personal interpretation. Uh, in, the, in the Course of Miracles, it, it, it says the Holy Spirit, or, or uh, you know, the author of that was um, uh, Jay or Jesus, whatever you want to call it. And the idea being behind that, that um, if we trust a transpersonal awareness, you know, it doesn't matter what, what uh, metaphor we use, but it's something that is completely inclusive of everything, everyone, and uh, that idea then takes us out of the, the, the pity mode and the blame mode and the, the projection mode and returns back to us um, the power of, of our thought. And uh, 
Uh, the decision maker, as, as Ken Wapnick, another favorite author of The Course in Miracles, says, is, is crucial to picking which worldview or which paradigm that we want to uh, get involved in. And that totally changes our experience um, time and again. And, and we can still watch the, the, the thrashings and the, the death throes, if you will, of the egoic mind uh, while we while we embrace the, the kindness and the forgiveness of giving ourselves slack for what appears to be happening and letting everyone off the hook for... Uh, pretty much anything ha- that has to do with space, time, bodies, or personalities uh, is, um, well, shall we say fleeting. <laughs> so if, that, if that's the case, then by adopting that, that transpersonal, uh, more expansive, completely inclusive worldview, then it really does free us up to, to uh, enjoy what appears to be happening and, and ironically make more effective uh, change and decisions in, in the world that we appear to be in. So when you catch yourself uh, being trapped into the other system, and how do you bring yourself back into that, that place of forgiveness and, and that transpersonal connection? That is a great question. And I think uh, kind of like the, the, the answer to that is the same one uh, that the cab driver gave to uh, the guy in New York City when, uh, when, he, was, when he asked, uh, leaning over the, the window of the cab, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? And, and the cab driver said, "Practice, practice, practice." <laughs> you know, and that's what we're going to is If we keep looking at the things that are going on in our life, and we don't have to look far because there's, you know, forgiveness opportunities abound. Uh, and you know, sometimes things seem to be going great, and that's that's fun, and then just enjoy those and savor them. And and but you know, not, not take them so seriously. Both things that appear to be pleasant and the things that appear to be unpleasant. And there, if we develop this objectivity, and Invoke the, this lucid observer, this uh, this um, decision maker. Really, is the part of us that is truly uh, transcending time, space, bodies, form, personas, all that stuff, and is the real content of, of the spiritual essence that we all are and that we all share and that we all are completely. Uh, I think that's another key concept: is that that each one of us appears to be separate little parts of the whole, and yet we each of us. <laughs> using using our dualistic language is, is kind of tricky here. Each of us is the whole, and I think that's the whole point of a lot of metaphysical systems that are worth their salt, so to speak. Absolutely. And that's why that's why uh, uh, and it, it's presented many many different ways in in, in the beautiful uh, uh, writing of A Course in Miracles, and and again some of these other authors I think have really uh, related to it beautifully, like Gary Renard and, and Ken Wapnick and, and several others that are, I think are really stick to the pure non dual metaphysics of the course. Um, so, so meanwhile, uh, here I am working on this this uh, the sequel book on on geometry. Uh, the first one is more of a coloring book for for kids of any age kind of thing. But the second one, I really wanted to get into a little more deeply and and, and talk about um, the geometric forms that that I've been fascinated with for years. And uh, the first thing I realized that having gone back into this this deeper metaphysical study is the important thing is to not make a uh, an idol worship out of the form <laughs> it's easy to get into i mean we do that in so many so many ways by by um enshrining with significance uh, the things of a fleeting nature that, that really are merely meant to be placeholders or, or catalysts for finding our way to that, that deeper essence. And uh, so that's, I want to preface what we could talk about next in terms of the, the hermetic laws and the geometric uh, symbols that, that nicely correspond to them. Um, that, you know, those, again, are meant to be only um, placeholders or mirrors or reflections of, of uh, the deeper understanding. 
let's talk then about the about the seven uh, hermetic laws, uh, ancient laws, and and you you mentioned very quickly earlier about the Kibalian. So perhaps you could just mention how that connects and the seven hermetic laws themselves. Certainly, uh, the the Kabbalion, uh, which is not to be confused with the Kabbalah, although I'm sure there's plenty of interconnections there, uh, is a book. As I mentioned, it's, it's about a century old and written by the Three Initiates by the Yogi Publication Society. And that little gem has in it uh, seven Hermetic laws that apparently date back to antiquity, uh, certainly in the you know the early Egyptian era and probably before all those <laughs> monuments were there. Um, and they consist of um, seven very simple but, but universal laws, the first being the law of mentalism, which states that all is mind, everything is mental. And the idea behind that is uh, totally contrary to most people's uh, uh, worldview that we're bodies and we just happen to have a mind. And uh, it's, it sort of uh, brings up that, that nasty uh, question that physicists uh, used to not <laughs> deal with at all before the quantum era, which is, uh, you know, what's the ghost in the machine? What is this consciousness thing? And what, what, is, what is awareness? And how, how does awareness, uh, uh, you know, interact with matter? And, and uh, so the, the, the radical idea that's put forth in, in, uh, in Gary Renard's books is, well, yeah, we made it all up, and we're, we're still making it up. And, and uh, you know, it doesn't mean that we, we need to behave any differently. It doesn't mean we need to, you know, radically go out and, and you know, act bizarre or anything and, you know, do all the kind things and, and take care of the, the apparent business that we have at hand. But, but as that's going on, we can have a, a, a deeper, peaceful awareness that, that this is part of the script that we made up, and if we can just kind of enjoy the ride, forgive the things that seem to be happening that seem to upset us, and recognize that we do have a mind, we do have a choice in, in what we think about and what, how we feel moment to moment, that can make a huge difference in our experience. And uh, I think that's the, the take-home lesson from some of these uh, lessons of modern physics, too, that, that you know the mind really is um, the foundation, and... Uh, the fleeting particles of space-time really are just that. They're holographic uh, um, phantoms that uh, we've attached a lot of importance to. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And we'd, not to beat ourselves up over it, but just, like, kind of, you know, deepen the giggle a little bit once in a while and just say, okay, we made this up. <laughs> can, we, can we afford to laugh at ourselves a little bit and not take it quite so seriously? Um, so that's the first law, the law of mentalism. Uh, the second law, oh, and then there's geometric symbols I discovered that actually work very nicely with these. And, and uh, on the Geometry Code website, I have as a background image uh, a number of symbols. Symbols. If you if you're on a, in front of a computer and you have a web browser, if you kind of slide the, the page wide enough, you can see that there's uh, some images, and they also uh, are flashing through a little screensaver that a friend of mine named Mika Feinberg and I developed. Uh, he wrote some wonderful uh, screensavers. Uh, uh, with light source, and I've got links to them on there as well. Uh, but we came up with one together since we're both admirers of each other's work yeah, a few years back, and this has these seven symbols in them. So the first one would be uh, a concentric circle or sphere um, that uh, essentially, if we look at the idea of self, again, it all gets back to identity and which thought system. If we take the idea that, that our self is an infinite being, then we could either think of beyond space-time we're... we're um, the infinitesimal becomes the point, which is everywhere at once, every when at once, uh, or expanded 
through the dimensions of, of space and time to infinity, uh, imagining a, a circle or a sphere that encompasses everything beyond the, the vastest reaches of any, any galactic uh, distance we can imagine or any time we can imagine, um, going beyond all those dimensions, really, because that's what we all are, and each one of us is that all. And that's, I think that's, again, what the, the mystical traditions that are worth anything are, are trying to tell us, and that gives us the perspective upon which to do a type of forgiveness that is inclusive that allows us to to not make a big deal. There's that wonderful little book uh, that says, uh, you know, don't sweat the small stuff and it's all small stuff. <laughs> yeah. It puts it all in perspective, doesn't it? It does. So so what you're saying then is that these, these ge- geometric forms then are representations of each of the uh, seven laws within the hermetic law system. Exactly. Yeah. So, so if we think of uh, uh, this, our sphere of awareness, or, or our, our awareness of what can we, we can put in our mind, we can think of the infinite, and in, in a split second, it doesn't take any time at all to think of infinity and eternity. Uh, again, you know, our conscious minds don't have a complete grasp of that, but we can we can embrace that and we, with the the language of feeling, and I think that's where we're. Uh, there's a book called Feeling is a Secret by Neville that's a favorite for years, and that, that really touches on the idea that, that we may not have choice over what appears to be happening outside of us moment to moment, uh, again, which is probably a script that we made up and forgot we threw the, uh, <laughs> the authorship away, or thought we did anyway. Um, but we do have choice moment to moment as to how we feel and, and how we want to, to you know, reflect upon the things that appear to be happening around us. And I think that's Bruce, we're, we're actually coming up to our second break, and so okay. we'll continue with the Hermetic Laws and the geometric forms after this break. This is Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure, what's up? Um, there's this girl I kind of like. Well, if there's one thing I know, it's women. Really? Well, they didn't call me velvet for nothing. I don't get it. Smooth. I was smooth. Oh. Anyway, it's easy. You just got to impress her. Show her how strong you are. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? I don't know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt, if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, Ugh! try it. Ugh! Ugh! <laughs> See, there you go. And you should dress up. Start wearing a shirt and tie. I'll look like a dork. No, you'll look successful. Okay. And finally, you can start using my cologne. <clears throat> the ladies love it, so don't be shy. Splash it on. Thanks, Dad. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To find out how you can adopt, please visit our website at adoptuskids.org or call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. How do we walk our true spiritual path at a time when the Western world is fixated on material gain? More people are now recognizing the emptiness, which comes with this limited approach to life. There is another way. Four years ago, Peter Tong left his position as a high school principal with 30 years experience in the education system and turned to his true calling of a metaphysical life. He now uses his experience and wisdom to provide solutions to personal and organizational challenges. Peter offers corporate workshops and seminars, public meditations, radio interviews, healing sessions, and community visits to bring awareness of the new paradigm. 
the awakening to conscious co-creation. Visit PeterTongue.com today to register for events and to purchase his transformative visualization meditation CDs. You can also download the meditation CDs as MP3s if you wish for listening on your computer or on the go. These are available now at PeterTongue.com. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. And I have with me today Bruce Rawls. And Bruce is just talking about the seven hermetic laws and the geometric forms that he perceives goes with those laws. So you finished the first one, Bruce, so continue on. Thanks. Yeah, the, uh, the first one we talked about was the law of mentalism. Uh, the, the second one is the law of correspondence, which is the classic uh, hermetic axiom of as above, so below, as below, so above. And that actually work, works really well with a shape called the Vesica Pisces, which basically if you take this uh, the circular spherical shape and duplicate it, and then, now we're in, going from essentially in the, the con- conceptual realm of, of unity now to duality. So then we see mirrored outside of ourselves, uh, and psychology calls this projection. Uh, and again, it's a thought system that, that we apply to it that makes all the difference. Um, so if you ta- imagine two circles of the same diameter that are overlapping in such a way that uh, the, the circumference of one touches the center of the other, uh, or metaphorically, when, when we touch each other's hearts, uh, we have this thing called communion or communication. And uh, the overlapping shape is the shape of the eye uh, or the mouth or, you know, it, it basically is, is also a, a lens shape and has been described as, as a lens in a lot of uh, literature um, as well as the, uh, the name of the Vesica Pisces or the Mandorla and uh, a lot of depictions of, of Jesus in, in the medieval art shows him in this, in this shape or it's also called a nimbus and that shape uh, depicts the idea of communion, uh, communication, uh, interconnectedness, and how that there's a reflection or a mirroring, or, or you know, that the lenses of our consciousness uh, essentially are what are, are fabricating the world. And again, to, to kind of get back to the, the modern physics metaphor, um, when, when the uh, about half a century ago, when all the physicists in Copenhagen got together and realized that. Uh, the wave uh, particle duality was something that was going to uh, upset the apple cart as far as the world view because it was no longer just a cut and dry billiard ball, ball model that that now awareness truly did uh, have an effect on uh, uh, the microscopic level uh, certainly uh, when one could perceive a wave or a particle depending on the expectations of the observer. And that has been duplicated time and time and again in the laboratory. And and uh, I actually grew up in Livermore, California. My dad was a, a cyclotron supervisor, so I kind of got the physics, you know, sort of 
back burner, uh, you know, subliminally and just by growing up in that community and, that, and an appreciation for that, that whole idea. But the, the, the thing that really I think is, is ruffling the, uh, the, uh, the apple card of that, that worldview that says it's just, it's just form and that's all it is, is the idea that mind really does influence that. And as it reflects outwardly, we have the second shape of the specific Pisces shape that, that represents the mirrors and the lenses through which we see or, or perceive what appears to be going on outside of us. But it's, it's holographic and, uh, and that holographic nature is reflected in that, uh, that metaphor. Uh, the second, uh, law is, is, is the, the law of correspondence. The third law is the law of vibration. And uh, we can imagine a point with vibratory uh, symbolism radiating out from the center or the sun. Um, but the, the, the whole idea of a sine wave and frequency is, is uh, key to that. Um, and the frequency of thought, if you will, or the vibration of, of our feelings has a huge amount to do with you know, our experience moment to moment. Um, so there, we could talk quite a while about all the different vibratory phenomena in terms of our senses, but again, that the paradigm that we use is as crucial as what what is the feeling or the frequency of, of feeling uh, that we're we're tuning into moment to moment, and what do we uh, allow ourselves to to become aware of? The fourth law, the law. Before, of, before we move on, so what so what is the geometric form with with uh, the frequency of vibration? Well, certainly a sine wave is one one metaphor. Sine wave, okay. Uh huh. Um, which is basically the the idea that a circle uh, with a point on the circle rotating in time generates the sinusoidal shape uh, that probably many people who've studied math and physics are familiar with. Uh, it's, it's you know essentially the the harmony of the spheres, if you will, and um, the fact that there's a communication going on. Uh, in terms of vibration as well. So these all kind of flow out from the central point uh, and naturally evolve into this very complex, seemingly complex system that all eventually returns us back to unity. And that's, uh, I think, the whole point, again, is which thought system we use. Okay. Thank you. Sure. Uh, number four is the law of polarity, and uh, we we live seemingly in in a battlefield of opposites and uh, duality and and uh, light and dark and yin and yang and night and day and and uh, hot and cold and so forth and and uh, the experiences of of uh, attachment and aversion to, to different things are the egoic response, if you will, to uh, use of the law of, of polarity in the sense that. Uh, our, our finite mind, our, our personal mind, if you will, will look at any experience from a, an isolated or a polarized perspective, and it's, it tends to be exclusive and make, make things special or, or unique or, or different. And um, the, the whole foundation of the egoic mind is, is comparison and how, to, how can I separate? Uh, whereas our, our inner uh, transpersonal being if you will, who we really are, what we really are, maybe more appropriately, <laughs> it really takes us beyond the polarized realm. And uh, again, through the language of feeling, we uh, and, and uh, you know, it, it manifests in terms of kindness uh, in, in our material world. But that quality that that uh, that really says, "I'm I'm hearing what seems to be other as self. I'm I'm appreciating and and savoring." Um, the, the totality of each seeming other person and self transcends the duality and the polarity and takes us above the, the metaphorical battlefield um, 
and lifts us from the, the, the dualistic frame of reference into the, the, the holistic frame of reference. And so the law of polarity covers an incredible amount of ground. Um, you know, again, anything that has to do with space, time, uh, bodies, and form, personalities, intrinsically, and, and our language itself is, is a dualistic language. So even trying to describe pure non-duality involves polarity in some way. So a symbol, I think, that works really well for polarity uh, is you can apply this on any dimension. Certainly in a, a one-dimensional mode, you can take a line and two points on a line. And then if you, if you go above that, you can take a triangle, uh, which sort of like the capstone of the pyramid or the apex of the triangle um, depending on how many dimensions you want to throw at it, is, is metaphorically analogous to seeing the wholeness that integrates or reconciles the, the apparent opposites. And uh, so anything that involves something that, that ties together what appears to be opposite, I think, can be a useful metaphor for going beyond uh, duality and polarity. Uh, the fifth one, uh, the fifth law of the Hermetic Laws, is the law of rhythm. And here we have the idea that things appear to be happening to us in time, and if we allow ourselves to forgive and, and appreciate uh, the, the humor <laughs> and all the circumstances we made up uh, to ex- life experiences and just allow ourselves to uh, you know, give ourselves slack, give each other slack, and, and not make such a big deal out of the things that, that come and go, uh, we're using the law of rhythm uh, to our, our greatest advantage to, to bypass and, and skip a lot of the lessons by, by uh, you know, not needing to repeat the, the karmic uh, energetics, if you will, of the grievance that might otherwise keep us trapped in uh, the victim-victimization, victimizer uh, role model approach to things. So every, every moment and every season and every, every side part of every cycle of every day and, every, and even the galactic cycle, you mentioned John Major Jenkins and the, you know, all the, the, uh, the, the different vast cycles as well as the very micro cycles all contain opportunities for forgiveness and for, for getting ourselves home and, and each other home more quickly. So that's the, the fifth law. And the geometric form with that? Uh, I think a spiral works really well for that because if we think of, of the idea that we're, we're for example, our, our solar system is spiraling through space in a helical pattern, uh, and you look at nature and all the things that unfold and, and blossom and uh, uh, evolve in a spiral fashion, you know, the, the, the seeds on a, on a sunflower head have a Fibonacci proportions and things like that. I mean, there's, there's countless examples in nature of, of spirals that, that evolve, and, and essentially... That's a temporal metaphor, but it can remind us of the procedure or the, <laughs> the practice of forgiveness as a way of ultimately getting home beyond all form. And, uh, and I think the rhythm is, the, is, again, that practice, practice, practice that, that develops the um, identification over time with the transpersonal rather than the personal, uh, the identification with the, the formless and, and the essence and the, the real fun rather than the, the stuff that's fleeting and, and, and uh, you know, doesn't really have a lasting quality to it. So, Bruce, we're coming up to our, our final break. Okay. So we, will, we will discuss the uh, sixth and the seventh hermetic laws and, and their geometric symbols after the break. This is Peter okay. Tang. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation.
taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. How do we walk our true spiritual path at a time when the Western world is fixated on material gain? More people are now recognizing the emptiness, which comes with this limited approach to life. There is another way. Four years ago, Peter Tong left his position as a high school principal with 30 years experience in the education system and turned to his true calling of a metaphysical life. He now uses his experience and wisdom to provide solutions to personal and organizational challenges. Peter offers corporate workshops and seminars, public meditations, radio interviews, healing sessions, and community visits to bring awareness of the new paradigm. The Awakening to conscious co-creation. Visit petertongue.com today to register for events and to purchase his transformative visualization meditation CDs. You can also download the meditation CDs as MP3s if you wish for listening on your computer or on the go. These are available now at petertongue.com. When you have a stroke, you may not even notice it right away, but then... Time passes, and the symptoms get worse. One minute you feel fine, and the next, your speech could be slurred or not make sense. One side of your body might become numb. You might see double. You drop the TV remote because you can't hold up your arm. That's because after a stroke, every minute you don't get help is another minute that your brain is being starved of oxygen. The warning signs of a stroke include sudden numbness or weakness of the face, arm, or leg, sudden trouble seeing, speaking, or understanding. If you experience any of these warning signs, call 911 immediately, because time lost is brain lost. Visit strokeassociation.org or call 1-888-4-STROKE today. A public service announcement from the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Be extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. And I have with me today Bruce Rawls, who is just talking about the seven hermetic laws and the geometric forms that he has associated with them. And Bruce, we're down to law number six. Yes. Uh, yeah, thank you, Peter. Uh, again, um, the, the sixth of the, the seven hermetic laws is the law of cause and effect, and that relates to the, the ancient axiom that all causes have effects and all effects have causes. And uh, once again, it's the, the thought system or the, uh, the paradigm that we, we bring to bear on this law and all the other laws, it makes all the difference in the world and literally puts us in a different world <laughs> mentally. Um, so if we think of uh, the law of causation uh, in terms of the material world and the, the finite uh, realm, then we, we get into the, the, the whole billiard ball uh, metaphor of 
of uh, conventional physics of how essentially there there is kind of a mechanistic um, uh, map or, or a, a script, if you will, that's being being carried out, and and uh, not that we're likely to develop enough computing power to calculate the the the, uh, the next state of the universe uh, anytime soon <laughs> in a predictable way uh, but because it's so vast and so so infinite to, to take in all the variables but the idea behind it though is that really it, there is nothing that escapes law and cause and effect is one of those laws that says that what we hold in mind uh, really does become an effect and Again, the important thing is to, once we start realizing how pervasive that is, and it truly affects everything, uh, then we can start using cause and effect from a transpersonal rather than a personal standpoint. And when we do that, we turn the whole thing around, and instead of being at the cause, or, or at the effect, rather, of, of what seems to be going on outside of us, we realize that if the world is a hologram of our own making, then we can not only afford to um, allow what seems to be happening uh, to not bother us because we're realizing this is something that we made up, number one, uh, you know, that, and that there's no one outside us to forgive and nothing to forgive. <laughs> Ultimately, uh, that kind of, it, and it takes, again, the practice using the previous law of the rhythm of practice, 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 of looking for every opportunity to see that cause and effect relationship really makes a huge difference. Um, so then, then we're using that transpersonal approach to, to realize that Ultimately, the the ultimate cause is our our creative ability, which we share with the all, and uh, that takes us into the realm of the spaceless and the timeless. And uh, then the last, um, what, uh, what is the ge geometric form associated? A geometric metaphor for that is any kind of a fractal, where uh, you know the patterns that repeat themselves, no matter how far, how far you zoom in or out, they look the same. And there's countless examples. I just chose one that fits. The, the geometric shapes that I have on the on the, the overall glyph that so if the macrocosm and the microcosm are really the same um, and it doesn't really the scale is, is uh, doesn't really matter it's it's the same principle in other words and I think that's that's the geometric metaphor that's embodied in, in any fractal we want to look at and, and the particular one that I've chosen for this this glyph um, which has six circles around one, and each one of those has six around one, and so forth. Um, and then if we go to the, the seventh of, of the seven hermetic laws, we get to the law of gender generation, which is uh, the yin and yang principle, and the, the geometric metaphor that I think works really well for that, again, is another fractal of taking the yin-yang symbol and then nesting within each half of that another yin-yang symbol. And, and that works very, very nicely to show the generations. The two become four, become eight, become so forth, and then Pretty soon, we have more great grandparents than than ever existed on the planet, and go figure how that works. I don't know, but <laughs> but anyway, uh, interestingly enough, uh, I think the important thing is we we believe that we are predominantly in a male or female body, and so forth, and that's kind of the the standard uh, you know association with with gender. And, uh, you know, that's, that's again, a, a temporary role assignment that we, you know, have, have made up. And the way to, I think, um, use that law to our, our greatest benefit is to recognize that we have both of those elements, that we are both male and female, even though we may be in a man's or a woman's body. Um, the male and female principles exist in us uh, throughout eternity and, and infinitely, and that, that means that the comfort and the balance and the joyous uh, 
um, gratitude we have for for living life in total completion is really always within us. There's there's never anything outside us, or as my friend Tomas Vera likes to say, there's no one else in the room. <laughs> in other words, if, if our self, if our definition of self in, is inclusive of the entire universe, then we have a tremendous lesson there. And uh, I got that lesson personally uh, a year ago when my wife took a, a, a temporary assignment uh, out of the area, and she was laying asleep next to me, and I was already missing her while she was asleep before she left on this trip, and I realized... Hmm, there's a good take-home lesson there. <laughs> because I realized that you know, she exists in my mind. Then I've been extrapolating that to everyone in my life, and that's been really helpful. So anyway, that's kind of a quick wrap-up of, of the, uh, the, the seven hermetic laws. And, um, and we were talking during the break about a, a dream I had, which I think I can describe very quickly. I was in this dream several years ago. I had uh, the, a, the dream of being in this gigantic empty theater, and there was nothing on the screen. Uh, all the chairs had been removed. And when I finally thought about where I was, I was in this room that was above the theater, and I was in the projection room. And it was completely quiet and completely peaceful. And I realized this was, I think, like a a vision of the idea that if we begin to bring back in all the things that we've projected outside of ourselves and pull it back inside... Uh, we can find a peace that goes beyond anything we've ever imagined. And I, I think that's where we're all hidden, where we're all here to help each other with. Um, so that that's, a, I think, kind of a, an interesting little vignette that, that summarizes some of these laws that, that ultimately it, it, and it ties back into the law of mentalism. Because if it's all in our mind and the universe we made up is uh, of our intentional creation, then we can just as easily... Um, created a whole different scenario, and it's not so much about what's outside or the effect, but getting back to the cause that uh, allows us to to realize that the unchanging, unchangeable uh, security, serenity, uh, certainty, peace that we're, we're all looking for has never left. We've never left it. We're, we're like kids having a little dream, and and uh, uh, when we read these inspiring books and 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 share with friends in a, in a truly inclusive way, we're helping each other wake up from what start, may start out as a nightmare, but uh, can quickly become a happy dream, and then eventually I think we'll all uh, wake up from the big hologram. And... <laughs> well, Bruce, that's a great place for us to finish, which we have to do now. And thank oh, you so much for this wonderful oh. hour that you spent with me. It's been really fascinating, and I'm sure our listeners have really appreciated your perspective. Thank you so much. Thank you, Peter, and thanks to all your listeners. So please do sign up for my monthly newsletter at petertongue.com. Follow me on Twitter. Join the Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation Facebook group or join my mailing list for regular updates. I hope you've enjoyed the show. This is Peter Tongue for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. Wishing you a wonderful week. found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring. Please join host Peter Tong for another edition of Awakening to Conscious Creation next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network.